0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gavasa, And for today, we do get into, you know, quite an interesting uh, sector um, at the moment, just given everything that we've seen um, with uh, COVID-19. I think over the, over the years, we've actually um, been seeing, and it's actually, you know, quite scary that we're talking about COVID-19 within the context of years now, uh, but we have seen a lot of developments um, around the tourism sector uh, and in particular the hospitality and leisure industry. Um, I remember we spoke to a couple of, uh, you know, tourism operators at the beginning um, of uh, of the lockdowns last year and, you know, we've also been just seeing a couple of the um, developments and also innovations that a lot of groups um, have been coming up with, you know, Reaper Purposing, um, and redeciding what is a conference center, what is a hotel, you know, how do you, you know, play in the Airbnb space. And I think right now with everything that's going on, travel bans etc it really does become quite an important discussion and for today to help us to you know maybe talk about you know what they're doing in their particular part of the market uh we are joined by Andrew Rogers um who is uh, the CEO of Vendalo Hotel and Leisure Management and uh, we're just going to be getting into it um it is a 100% black owned subsidiary of AfriNet so we're going to be just getting into you know a little bit of that discussion and you know some of the innovation that they're having around the apart hotels andrew
1: greetings to you today good morning uh to your listeners
0: um i think just uh just uh, a good place for us to start i think you know when you think about a company like afrinet you don't Typically, think of them, you know, in in that uh, in that you know particular part of the market. Uh, so, Ndalo, um, you know, hotels and leisure. Maybe just a little bit of background, you know, just around what's going on there.
1: Yes, uh, I think just to, just on a point of correction, AfriRent is uh, AfriRent is the parent company. Um, so AfriRent yes. essentially has uh, is a privately owned um, vehicle and fleet management business. It has a number of subsidiaries uh, in the vehicle leasing space and has been quite successful in that uh, business model for a number of years. Um, A couple of years back, we elected to get into the hospitality and leisure space and looked for a number of opportunities where AfriRent, through its 100% owned subsidiary Indalu Hotels and Leisure, and I'll just use the Indalu as the shortened abbreviation for it, Indalu had um, a number of opportunities to consider where it was either operating under a third-party banner, and essentially what that meant was that we would uh, operate the hotel with local management expertise and utilize a global or franchise brand. We went out to the market and sought uh, approval from a number of the international brand operators we choose to franchise, which happens to be the likes of uh, Marriott through their portfolio of brands, uh, at Radisson Hotels through their portfolio of brands, uh, Hilton, um, for that sake, Intercontinental Hotels and or a number of their competitors. And AfriRent Rent through Indali was then sought as uh, approved rather as an, in, uh, as an independent third party operator to operate these franchise models. And whilst we were doing that, we also were presented with uh, uh, our first venture during COVID into the restaurant space. So essentially, we opened a grill room and sushi bar restaurant in Brooklyn uh, Bridge, Pretoria, which was our first venture into the fine dining market. Also during COVID, so it was uh, an interesting time frame to, to venture into that, but clearly the decision had been made prior to COVID. And proud to say that we've uh, now just at the end of November completed our first year of trading, which has had its sets of challenges, as we know, and we'll probably speak more to those a little bit later. And then having said that, we also acquired an apart hotel brand called Wink uh, in Cape Town, which at the present moment operates uh, three hotels in Cape Town and Stellenbosch and has a pipeline of a few more, and we'll talk to those in, in a minute. So AfriRent Rent has 100% ownership of Indalu, and Indalu has not only got its own brand, Indalu, which it operates presently the Fountains Hotel in Cape Town, but it is able to operate under third-party license or franchise a number of the global uh, brands as well. And then it operates for itself the Wink Apart Hotels and also the Grill Room and Sushi Bar.
0: No, no, thank you so much for that, Andrew. And I do apologize for that, uh, you know, for that oversight earlier on. I did read wrong. Um, But with all of that said and with the background that you've given us, um, especially around uh, operating during this time, I'm very keen because, you know, Very keen to get into the apart hotels, you know, industry. But before that, you know, just taking maybe a broad look at the industry first, before we come down to the micro, is um, a lot has been said, you know, about the impact of COVID on business and, uh, you know, particularly in the hospitality, leisure and accommodation sort of industries. Uh, But maybe your take, you know, just around, I guess, the reality, you know, is it as bad because you know to your point you know um a lot of brands are shutting down but you guys found yourselves opening a sushi bar and all of that you know so how how has the reality been on the ground
1: I think certainly the the biggest impact that one has felt is is you know with the first lockdown there was a period of time where there was a lot of uncertainty and I think as the vaccinations became a reality I think the more and more people understood about the disease and the vaccination rollout as it gained momentum so with that sort of came sort of the belief that one could overcome this uh, particular you know pandemic and uh, certainly at least manage it to a degree uh, what we noticed particularly, of you know, was the impact on international tourism to our country. So the lack of, uh, of tourists coming in certainly has had a huge and a profound impact. And I think one would have seen a number of tourists returning even as early as December this year, you know, prior to this fourth wave taking uh, effect. And I say taking effect because I do think there has been a a, a real knee-jerk reaction from the global uh, market to Southern Africa. Unfortunately, the cutting off of flights has meant that a number of, I suppose, would-be travellers have not managed to get their connections into South Africa. But I think similarly also the challenge that has happened is, is that business travelers and or commercial travelers wanting to exit the country have also had the challenge of an added, you know, sort of COVID imposed restriction of quarantine in certainly in some of the key destinations like the UK, etc. And that has had a, a, a significant effect. Where we've seen a big drop off as well is in meetings and the, and the desire for larger meetings. So conferences have scaled back somewhat. Uh, there's been certainly smaller events taking place, uh, as opposed to the larger numbers. And, and you know, the, the, the conferencing market still is active, albeit on a slightly smaller scale, um, but it, it requires somewhat of an innovation. And and that, you know, I think what COVID has also presented to a number of the, the operators in the space is to innovate and to think outside of the box and to have been a little bit more creative as to the way in which I suppose we traditionally run our businesses. Uh, you know, if I consider even on the design and development of hotels, you know, uh, in the past, if you looked at some of the lifestyle brands of hotels that were growing at quite a rapid pace, their whole business model was smaller rooms, effectively pushing you into more of a public space, a collaborative, a sort of a, a sort of a sharing, this co-working, co-living, co. Playing space where you would have sort of open plan offices, you would have, you know, uh, dining areas and and coffee shops in lobbies of hotels, encouraging people and you know, the a younger generation to actually approach and or live and or work in these sort of spaces. And I think that's that has been a there's been quite an impact in regards to that. I think people have been weary of interacting with call it strangers. And I think yeah, what we'll see for a long time to come is companies hopefully putting the vaccination uh, campaigns at the forefront of their recruitment processes and making sure that employees are safeguarded with at least a vaccination program. And uh, hopefully, as well, you know, we'll see the return with time of confidence in travelers and using those sorts of spaces and places.
0: Mm. Now, I I guess one of the maybe just a quick follow up from what you were saying, because one of the big things you do emphasize is this issue of uh, vaccinations. And right now it's topical. It's one of those things that some people are trying to, you know, skirt others are trying to head straight into it and just, you know, take a stance. Uh, but I can imagine that, uh, you know, for an operator such as yourselves, it's not an easy thing, you know, that tussle, that tension uh, between, because you do operate, um, you know, private spaces, people come, book a room, etc. But there's also the public spaces where you have a number of people all eating, you know, for example, in a restaurant where you have people eating all together. So how have you guys now that part.
1: Yes, I think certainly what what we did find is is that certainly the reduction in numbers and the curfews imposed on the restaurant space those were our most challenging. And, and I think in the in addition to the sale of alcohol that that hurt us tremendously in the beginning. Um, measures were adopted where we cut back on the numbers, spaced the tables apart you know, in terms of the various uh, routines on arrival, you know, you would have your sanitizing, your checking of temperature. But I think one has come to realize that those aren't necessarily the only metrics by which this disease, you know, can and can't um, bypass the the systems in place. And I think what we've realized, and I've just recently returned from uh, a trip up into Zimbabwe, where quite interestingly, that your COVID vaccination passport is required to, to, to gain access to restaurants. Now, whilst we haven't gone as far as that, As yet, I project and predict that that will soon become a a hurdle or an introduction measure, Um, and I'm I'm I'll be in support thereof. You know, simply to to um, and, and whilst I have many friends and colleagues who are. Very anti-vaccination and/or the anti-vaxxer movement. I think one is to take a, a, a measured approach. Just we've we've in terms of our recruitment, insisted that there are double vaccination processes, and we've made vaccinations available to all of those staff that that have not had an opportunity to be vaccinated. So we've insisted and and and, and tried to to get our staff fully vaccinated, and we'll support a booster campaign. And we believe that it will become an annual jab or if not more frequently, more you know, certainly every six months there will be a booster jab required. So we're in support thereof. Insofar as some of the other measures, like in our banqueting spaces, we've had to space our various breaks apart. So we've had to consider if there are multiple groups from different organizations, where do they where do they take their tea breaks, for example, where do they take their lunch breaks to try and allow them some separation space? And that has reduce the numbers. But again, as I said, the demand isn't there for larger numbers. The the demand is still there for smaller conferences and smaller spaces. We also use a lot of our properties at the moment, particularly in the part hotels and the um, fountains case. We have the uh, shipping groups that use the hotel and apartment spaces as a pre and a post uh, sort of take on so essentially crew that are shifting from one one shipping to another, they spend five or six days in an isolation period in the hotel we 've had to sort of accommodate our meals and our services so room services certainly a lot more uh, protective measures are are adopted in terms of food that is prepared, wrapped, and or uh, looked or, looked after on delivery to each of the rooms and very minimal guest interaction takes place. so food is placed outside the door on a on a table. Guests are they notified that their food is ready, and similarly, the dispose, it's all of a disposable nature in terms of cutlery, uh, the presentation methods, and it's and it doesn't need to be uh, too sanitised. But essentially, we're very wary of of those sorts of patrons because we've also got um, COVID isolation. Floors where we have sometimes uh, COVID positive cases, and then what has to happen is we have to sanitize those rooms and obviously put those rooms out of order, which is which is a cost and uh, we haven't foreseen, but it's fortunately fewer rather than 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 more.
0: Um, you know, it's actually quite interesting. You know, everything that you're bringing up because um, I can, one just wonders if we're going to find some type of a standardised approach you know, between countries. Um, Because I can imagine that if you're a travel operator and you have, let's say... I don't know, hotels, for example, in different territories, right? Do you take a group-wide approach, um, you know, to how you cater and, you know, serve your clientele? Or do you take an in-country approach? Because um, to your point about, you know, Zimbabwe, you know, having, you know, the COVID certificates and, you know, vaccinations, all of that. Um, I was in the Middle East recently uh, in Dubai and You have to take three COVID tests. I had to take three COVID tests just to get into the country. Uh, But once you're in the country, it's quite fascinating because hardly anyone is, you know, spraying your hands with sanitizer or anything wherever you go. It's just masks. Whereas in South Africa, it's a lot of, uh, you know, spraying of sanitizers, everything. So it's quite interesting to see the different approaches uh, that people have been taking. But if we're just going to switch gears for a moment, um, Earlier on, um, one of the things that you did mention was the fact that you guys had, uh, acquired a, a, an apart hotel brand. I think you, you called Dwink, if I heard, if I heard you correctly. And I'm very interested in this because my understanding is that it's an apartment, but it's a hotel. It's a hotel, but it's an apartment. You know, am I, am I getting that correct? You're
1: getting it 100% correct. I think what's happened in the in the hospitality investment space firstly is, is that uh, particularly the financial institutions or the lenders into development of new hotels have really been uh, hurt badly uh, in respect of you know, the investment and the return on investment. So, what investors in the hospitality space have really been looking at is an alternative investment method and, and methodology. So, Therein lies the residential place. So you're finding blocks of apartments or flats, if you'd like, that are being built as a residential unit primarily and then converting those into hospitality or being operated, rather, by hospitality operators. And that has allowed, I suppose, real estate investors to find a way around a, a typical hotel play where they battle to get the, the sort of lending uh, from financial institutions or even equity if there's a potential equity party. And what these apart hotels offer is the, the, the backstop that if the hospitality option failed, then they can convert these to a traditional residential unit and uh, they can be anything from a studio to a one to a two bedroom unit. And what as operators we allow is we have a balance uh, in, in our model an operating model where we try and find what we define as a long term stay, which essentially is a let. We have anything from a student or young professional or even, interestingly enough, uh, we're finding more and more demand in Cape Town for a type of semigration where people want an apartment, but they don't want the hassle factor of owning it or, or looking after it. So they effectively come down, work from Monday to Friday, but don't want to have to pack up all their gear and go back to Joburg or Durban, wherever it may be and then essentially come back again the next week, but the rooms are serviced as if they were a traditional hotel room. And what we then have is a, is a, is a second balance where we have slightly shorter term lets, and those are sort of s- somewhat of a month-to-month or up to six months in, in duration. And then we have the real out-and-out hotel play, which is our short-let, which essentially we put into a into a letting model like, I suppose, anything like an Airbnb or, for that matter, t- traditional hotel You can book it on any of the hotel booking platforms or preferably for us directly to the hotel, simply because your channel costs typically are then the lowest. And that affords uh, investors or owners, if you'd like, they can either put the units into a rental pool structure, which gives them a a distribution of some sorts. But from a revenue income point of view, it's mitigated by a combination of longer, medium and then short term is really where, where, where the sweet spot is, I suppose, for returns hotel-type stays. And a customer or guest, as we like to call them, really is, is given the advantage of a larger room, uh, effectively, than a traditional hotel room. Whilst I say that some of the studios are, are, are a typical size, you know, like a 24, 20, 28 square meter room, like a hotel room. However, each, it doesn't come with all of the bells and whistles that a traditional hotel comes with, and that's really where the the trick is. Medewa uh, is, is to try and reduce the the overhead costs. Traditionally, a hotel, if you're developing it, has a fairly large back of house area, uh, which requires sort of stores and offices, etc. We run these very very lean and mean. Essentially, you have a service that that comes to clean the the room if need be, if you're wanting room service or the like. We use the apps like an Uber Eats or a Mr. Delivery because we simply are not in the space where we want to run traditional kitchens or food and beverage. And we attach our little cafes down to the bottom. And those cafes serve breakfast and lunch. At night, we're reliant on outside service parties to come in. And that's what we find. Because there's the self-catering option in the apartment, guests choose to actually either go out to restaurants themselves or prefer in-house to to cook something that's that's like a ready-to-eat meal. And we offer that service where we can acquire those ready-to-eat meals for guests, should they wish. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You've kind of got the spaciousness of a, of an apartment. You've got the, the, the services, if you'd like, of a hospitality or hotel. And then, again, the flexibility, I suppose, which is the key word, in respect of what you elect to do and what options and services you do and don't want.
0: Uh, now, one of the things that you know comes to mind is the fact that if you if we look at the evolution of um property and especially mixed use properties um one can think about you know office buildings that will have let's say penthouses at the top or hotels especially that will have you know penthouses that end up being you know, mostly residential blocks and all of that stuff. And, you know, you see some of this stuff, uh, I guess, coming more to the mainstream, you know, sort of client and all of that. How does that change... I guess, uh, because I think you were starting to allude to it, how you do some of the back office costs and, you know, not having kitchens. How does that, uh, change, I guess, the revenue slash the cost base, the revenue structure plus also the cost base, um, that you guys have to contend with? Because I can imagine, uh, that on the one hand, you're thinking of yourself like, uh, like a property agent, you know, in some sense, because, you know, someone is staying for month to month, they're here for six months. But at the same time, um they might ask for cleaning services. So I'm just wondering, like, the packages, you know, how do you structure something like that? Do I arrive and I say, Andrew, I want... You know, I want a room. I want cleaning. I want, you know, month to month. Like, how does it work? Because I can imagine that is probably some type of a bespoke sort of arrangement that you have with your clients absolutely
1: and it's a good question i think what we generally have is 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 we have a, a menu and options uh, uh, around that so if you'd elect to have your apartment cleaned daily you can tick that option if you want it cleaned weekly you can similarly tick that option and those are apps that we have for uh, in-house residents so when you arrive at the property you're in, you 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 either download the app or, or if you have the app already you just activate the app and that app actually then allows you to select as a menu drop down very much what you've just touched on right now um, uh, the, the the option of what What you would like to have serviced and then again, the frequency of those services and each of those services in its own right has got um, various menus there too. So for example, if you want your room just cleaned as being the floors washed and the dishes washed, there's an option. If you want your full service, you can similarly have that. So it is bespoke. That's the, that's the one option. I think the cleaning is the most sort of obvious because essentially that's the real interaction with the unit. There's also a maintenance menu and a dropdown if there are certain maintenance requirements that, that you might have, I don't know, a light bulb or a TV or, or your Wi-Fi might be problematic. Those are, those are quite quick, res, they quickly resolve because they just call down to, to the front desk and the front desk is able to, to troubleshoot or assist them if need be on those problems. And then, you know, in so insofar as that, we also have the option on on the menu. If you do want to 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 have breakfast, or if you'd like to have uh, something delivered to your room, we can ele- uh, elect that as well. And that's where our cafes come in, or our interaction with our third-party service providers. So, you know, the 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 model on, on the mixed use, and you just you raised an-, an interesting point. We we foresee that there will be quite. Um, quite a lot less office demand going forward in the real estate space. And I think what you're gonna see is just like technology has presented itself like we're on a platform today, uh, businesses doing business slightly differently. And I think the requirement to have the same, I suppose, sizes of offices and amount of offices is going to diminish somewhat. I don't think it will disappear completely my colleagues in that sector i think you know certainly would berate me for 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 saying so but what we would we would have is certainly a change in the size of offices required and that's going to present i think a conversion opportunity and this model i think would would uh, you know to some of the bigger players if you earlier spoke of sort of a traditional hotel with apartments or penthouses on top i don't think is going to be too far fetched in existing offices where you could actually convert certain offices into apart hotel solutions. Um, those then in turn will allow a sort of a work and a live scenario to be in the same building. And that will also reduce travel costs and the necessity to interact either in public transport or for that matter, we've already seen the city of Cape Town innovation where around the inner city development does not require parking to be linked to your title. And that's quite an innovation in the sense that has meant that, you know, you're decongesting rather the, the city with, with less cars or fewer cars travelling. And what we what we would propose and see is a number of landlords starting to consider a residential type model in their um in their building where they currently have offices or offices that are not um in in use. And we've we've seen quite a few uh, conversion what we define as brownfield opportunities being kicked around at the moment as a viability study uh, because there's the option to turn it into a residential unit.
0: One of the things that's really coming, you know, that's really becoming more apparent as you talk, you know, I'm quite a geek myself, uh, because I primarily, uh, cover technology, media and telecoms companies. And uh, I really didn't think this conversation was going to, or was going to be, uh, about technology, but it's really sounding like technology is quite a big piece um of uh, this whole thing because i can imagine from all the drop downs that you were talking about that the back-end system that you're using is probably quite powerful maybe you could just talk to us about the technology that's actually driving um all of this stuff and you know how that is like if um if i go to one of your buildings am i interacting at all you know with uh receptionists with uh um, you know, concierges or whatever, or am I doing everything ba- uh, app based on the on the platforms?
1: Look at the moment; we're still a people intensive business in the sense that yes, you will still interact with the receptionist on arrival and departure. Uh, what we are trying to do from from the apps is exactly that is is take away the the, the human factor from a booking point of view and, and take away any challenges that that one might have in that regard. But in the sense that it then interacts on a back end with a third party service provider. So effectively, we don't have the full complement of, call it cleaning staff. We will supply that through a third party preferred supplier. So we take the skin off our um, or you, you would have a skin of our unit, call it Wink uh, Foreshore. But effectively, behind the scenes will be a cleaning company's uh, app, if you'd like, when it's the drop down menu for their specific uh, discipline. If it's then for the cafe, we will use that from the cafe for the food and beverage option. So it still requires a human interaction to take that that feedback or that guest uh, comment. We need, to, excuse me, the guest request, and we do need to, Technology-wise, make sure that you know we're always at the forefront of of good Wi-Fi, high-speed internet. Those are still key demand drivers. So, in fact, we're just busy rolling out and upgraded our Fountains Hotel with a large service provider to ensure that that uh, connectivity and coverage is you know is at certainly a four G level and hopefully soon to be at, at a five G level. But in respect of the apps, yes, we would. Uh, we would see that the apart hotel space is certainly one where apps, not only at the moment, whilst they're not there, will become your room key, your check-in and check-out, your interaction with your television. So effectively, instead of offering a full bouquet of TVs, your device, your mobile or or technology device that you have is able to to act as that platform, as your entertainment interacts with with uh, housekeeping, it interacts with maintenance and it interacts with your food and beverage it 's still not as advanced as we 'd like it to be in the sense of having it as you check in and check out and it 's totally seamless or almost uh, no human interaction. I think it 's important We do have um, in 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 the apart hotel space one or two challenges, particularly around weekends where we 're finding quite an interesting dynamic occurring where people come to the apart hotels over a weekend because they not in a traditional hotel space. So you can get more people into an apartment room rather than into a traditional hotel room. And that in itself brings with itself its own sets of uh, interesting dynamics over a Friday and a Saturday night. So we we're obviously very conscious of of security and and management presence over over the weekend periods to prevent any sort of noise disruption or any sort of you know unruly behaviour that can occur. And I'm, I'm fortunate to say that we you know we've curbed that quite quickly because it was a trend that could have gotten quite quite out of hand
0: and are you guys using your own platforms like in terms of interacting with uh, on the booking side are you using your own platforms or you know do apps like Airbnb and the whole host of you know travel booking and all of that uh, platforms come into play
1: yeah so so we've, we've partnered with uh, Trev Par uh, World who are our distribution agents uh, Trev Derek and his team have, are on all of our properties uh, they're they use the distribution methodologies, and we use SiteMinder as a as a tool to 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 distribute out to, as you say, the online uh, travel agents and the third-party booking engines. So your hotel bookings, your booking.coms, your Expedias, Agodas, all of those sort of uh, traditional booking platforms. And and then it's, again, our our cheapest or rather most uh, profitable route is if we could book directly. So we have a booking, uh, booking direct button, which is really a call to action off our website or any of our promotional specials that we run out. And that really books directly into our PMS or property management system. Sorry, we're an, we're a business that's rich in acronyms, so apologies if I start uh, creating talking in acronym. But the property management system then obviously is 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 what we use to manage. And again, our our, our tools therein are, are are sort of very very simple when it comes to the to the apart hotel space. A little bit more sophisticated in the in the hotel space, but certainly very simple in the apart space.
0: Uh, perhaps as we round up the discussion Andrew, maybe you could give us a sense uh, for me it's on two fronts uh, the first one is uh, as Dalo, do you guys have any um, what's the word I'm looking for um, any appetite to expand beyond South Africa if not already and then the second bit uh, about that is just around the apart hotels themselves. Uh, Because right now, your investments are primarily in uh, Cape Town. And I've encountered this business model in Joburg. So I'm just trying to, you know, figure out, you know, do you think this is going to be something that's region-specific? We you know where some regions are stronger than others. Or do you think there's an opportunity sort of na- nationwide that if a person wants an apart hotel, you know, in muscle bay or or something like that that you know if as long as the solution is available uh then something should be someone should invest in that space
1: Absolutely. Let, let, let's go back from. Uh, let me just respond by saying, certainly in terms of South Africa, we we are looking to take wink uh, beyond the confines of of Cape Town. Um, as I've mentioned, we do a hundred. We currently have a, do have hundred and three bedrooms out in Stellenbosch, but in terms of Johannesburg, Pretoria, Durban, and all of the major centres, and including some of the secondary centres, we see an apart hotel solution as an ideal. Uh, business model for developers investors uh, and we would as wink welcome the opportunity to uh, to have any of those potential parties approach us so we wanted to get our, our basics right which is i think what we've achieved now and then early in the new year we intend to sort of aggressively go out and try and find opportunities to roll wink out into those centers i think in terms of of um Outside of the country, besides Wink, I mean, we've got our own Indalu Hotels and Leisure, which operates not only the hospitality a- angle, but also the restaurant space. And we've recently, uh, we'll make an announcement in the next uh, quarter on a very exciting golf course uh, opportunity where on the golf course side, we'll be managing quite a nice golf course uh, in a tour in quite a tourism uh, sort of sought after destination. And where we have the opportunity to go offshore, we'd probably look to to our static borders more than than necessarily internationally. And, the, and that's, I think, we need to call walk run. Um, one, one doesn't want to run into an opportunity where one can't support it. And I think it's quite an important element to remind uh, these apart hotels and or hotels, um, you know, need to have the, the requisite support infrastructure in Dalu's base will be Pretoria. Uh, We we will have our our regional offices and we will have, uh, excuse me, our head offices in Pretoria and regional offices in Cape Town. So for now, our plan is saturate South Africa into the main centres and then consider if and when the opportunities arise in some of the SADIC countries.
0: That actually sounds, you know, quite interesting, and quite promising, and especially that bit because at least… It shows that, um, the opportunity is available in, uh, in a lot of the major centers around the country and including, uh, the secondary towns as well, because, uh, a lot of, a lot of things have changed now. So I guess this could be, you know, quite an interesting trend, uh, to be watching in the next couple of years. Uh, the last bit as a follow up, uh, you know, to what you said that it came to my mind just now, um, as Ndalo, do you guys in do you guys are you guys open to private individuals maybe coming in and co owning some of the I don't know apartments or is this one of those situations where as Ndalo you guys just um, own and operate everything?
1: No, it's a very good question, We we actually own the management company, so in fact we don't own the real estate. Uh, we own the cafe real estates. And uh, we've worked with FLAT as our partners uh, through their renewal structure with the 12J, which essentially owns a number of units. But we also have a number of individual owners who own apartments in, in a number of our properties, so Eaton Square, and Quivertree art and Um and absolutely, so if there are individual owners who are looking to invest, our next project is the one tie uh, in Cape Town, which is a conversion of an office uh, scheme, and then we are announcing quite an exciting project in uh, in Cape Town to break ground in the quarter one of next year as well, also in apart hotel absolutely there 's space for a number of investors, so we We would welcome the approach from uh, investors, individuals who are looking to get into the hospitality space by owning an apartment. They've got the flexibility of using that apartment, but also at the same time, should a hotel not succeed, then always convert it back into a real estate play for
0: themselves all right so that's been us we're talking to uh andrew rogers who is the ceo of andalo hotel and leisure uh, management you know quite an interesting business model Uh, they are a subsidiary of afri rent holdings and he was just giving us some insight into you know the state of their business and um, you know just beginning talking about um, the impacts of covid19 and some of the opportunities that they have seen because as bad as things are because he did you know understandably so talk about the impact of uh, travel restrictions on the country and you know freedom of movement? Um, but you know, this time has opened up some opportunities, and he mentioned the fact that uh, you know they've been uh, expanding in the restaurant space, but also uh, getting into the apart, um, the apart hotel um, type of space, and that's where we spent the majority of today's discussion, uh, talking about uh, this. Um, I don't know what, what, what word to use, but this confluence, this uh, coming together uh, of uh, the hotel and apartment space, uh, where basically you have um, apartments that are run in a hotel manner and you have a suite of different, you know, options that you can get. You know, do you want your place to be cleaned? Do you want uh, to go and get breakfast downstairs? Do you want to cook for yourself? A lot of flexibility, uh, but also at the same time, just uh, helping uh, someone like a hotel operator to manage some of the risks that have come um, through this time. One of the more interesting things he did say is the fact that over the coming years, and once again emblematic of the times that we are in, is the fact that we're likely to see, um, you know, some changes and especially convergences, um, you know, of buildings because um, you, we do see that there's less and less demand uh, for office space, for example. So how do uh, property owners make use of that space? And one of the interesting trends at the moment is to convert uh, a part of those buildings into residential properties. And, you know, over the next couple of years, it will be an interesting one. Um, you know, what will be interesting, I think, just as a last point for myself, is to see, you know, what what that actually, that future actually looks like, uh, where people sort of live and work in one part of a building, uh, but are working, you know, in another part of the building. So literally, uh, you can be moving in and out, uh, you can moving up and down in a building, as opposed to uh, moving in between buildings andrew thank you so much for being with us today
1: thank you very much thank you to your listeners as well thank you
0: this is what you apart hotels uh very interesting concept and you know like what we're talking about during um the discussion it's not anything that's particularly new uh, when one considers the mixed-use nature of certain buildings you know over the years but right now certain things becoming you know more mainstream and i guess emblematic of the changes uh that are happening right now what i'm keen to see is how all of this develops uh, on two particular fronts um, the first one is how does the apart hotel I guess sector because you do have that convergence between uh, the traditional hotel space and your traditional rental space how does that um, affect you know either of the two markets right does that take from either of the two or does that create like a little market of its own right because um, that's what tends to happen. You're either taking market share away uh, from someone else or you're creating a sort of a niche market for yourself uh, that over time becomes bigger and bigger. And then the second piece is um when it comes to actual investments in some of these uh some of these properties right um you know how are people funding you know these things is it something that you you know because in the traditional you know property for rent space people invest and uh, you go you get a bond a mortgage whatever it is and then you use uh, the rental income uh, to service your bond your mortgage whatever it is is this the same I guess model that individual investors especially um, individual investors are using to get into you know some of these spaces and how do the prices compare um, you know from that because I can see it being quite an attractive one because at least you put your money in and you have someone else uh, that can help you to actually manage uh, some of the intricacies uh, that come with property ownership.